Hey, this is Laura and you're listening to Expand. Welcome back, love. Let's get into it. So today we wanted to swim around in the idea of goal setting and how to, how to set goals differently. Like this is kind of a messy topic because there is no clear path in this. And we're really speaking to you today from a subjective experimental, um, like we're still in this, figuring this out for ourselves kind of a place. So we figured we'd bring you along with us in this. And, and pave a clearish path forward from, from wherever we land today. I think that it can be really messy when we start to think about um, goal setting and weaving in intuitive decision-making and aligned action and being more and feeling more and, and always looking inwards, right? But then tying that to action steps and outcomes and objectives and intentions and how to do all of this <laughs> without losing ourselves in the process. You know, I think that Kelly and I have spoken about this a little bit recently, and I know we, this is, a, this is a topic that we come back to probably this time every year. I feel like yes. we revisit it and we, we tease it apart a little bit more, but it's interesting. My own journey with this has been it has been an evolution in that I was just actually in prepare, preparing for this call. I was looking back at my notebook from the last one to two years. I have this business notebook where I keep all of my, my big business plans big, right? And even a year ago, it was it's so interesting to see how my mind was trying to offer me pathways to feel the way that I wanted to feel in my life, but I was still attaching outcomes to the actions that I was taking. Like I still had this expected outcome that I needed to get in order to feel that way. And so sitting with you all today, I think what I really want to do is, oh, here is everybody. Hello, (laughs) Bloom Room on Wednesday. (laughs) Today, I really want to set the stage for what it actually means to move from a place of setting goals to feel differently first and allowing and allowing versus taking action and what that really looks like. Cause it's a really messy, there's a really messy blurry line there and it's not cut and dry and it's going to be different for every single one of you. So we're going to do our best to muddle our way through this today. Kelly, is there anything that you want to say um, from your perspective to set the stage before we really jump in? Sure. Yeah. I'm just thinking back on like you're saying, like uh, the different years that I have gone through this in my own business experience yeah. and what like the best year, like my projection of what the best year could look like over the next year would look like is what in the beginning was like working full-time hours in my business or having this much money in my business or having this many clients or whatever. And then there was a transition period where it started to kind of lean into this idea of um, more action-based goals versus outcome-based goals, which is what a lot of us teach our clients, right? When we're trying to come away from like the number on the scale, we start to help them find success and wins inside of the actions and the behavior changes that they're making, right? So mm-hmm. eating healthier or enjoying their workouts or working out more or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. And then that kind of shifts more into like how it is that I actually want to feel. And I think that that is a very smooth transition that a lot of us tend to make when it comes to setting goals. And now I'm kind of in this place where 
I'm trying to find that balance that you talked about that is such a delicate balance between still wanting to move towards specific outcomes and be a part of this human experience and just like seeing how much I can make come to life for myself, for my goals, like what can I create in this life and Mm -hmm. having that be outcome-based and external-based in a lot of ways, but also not making that like the end all be all like the best thing in the world because we all have probably experienced that when we make that number one then we're never actually feeling the way that we're hoping that getting it is going to make us feel anyways because we're so focused on the outcome or once we get the outcome focused on being afraid of losing that outcome again that we're never actually feeling the joy or the freedom or the presence or the security that we were hoping that outside goal is going to get us to feel. And so there's some really delicate balance that I'm excited to kind of tease apart with you today, Laura, around how do we navigate that space in between where we still take action on like trying to achieve certain outcomes in our life while still leaning into this deeper knowing of um, creating that from the inside out. Yeah, beautiful. I, you know, it came up for me as you were talking is this idea of pushing towards something versus trusting where we are. I think that's a conversation we've been having a lot in this room in particular lately in lots of different contexts, but in this context in particular, I always go back to Kyle Cease and how he speaks about pushing towards something. Like when we're pushing towards something, we're egoically chasing something because we're trying to avoid a certain amount of pain that not achieving that thing would bring us. And so I think really starting to look at that as a starting point, even in reflection over the last year or the last two years, what have you been, what have you been pushing towards? What have you been trying to get? What have you been trying to create? What are the outcomes you've been wanting to see in your life, in your business? And if we tease that apart, what is the pain underlying not getting that thing? What is it that you've been trying to avoid this whole time? I know for me, I've been doing a lot of reflection on this lately, of course, naturally year end. It's just such a natural time for this, but I've really recognized that so many of my pushing patterns in the past and even present day are to avoid feeling unsafe on many levels. And I have many layers of this over the course of my life, way back to childhood, But I've learned that by controlling external circumstance, whether it's my business, whether it's my relationships, whether it's the clothes that I'm wearing, what my schedule looks like, like anything outside of me, if I can control it, then I can create this illusion of safety. And and it's only when those things feel or look like they should, like my mind wants them to look that I'm actually allowed to breathe and rest and and relax and let go and and just enjoy being safe in that moment. So for me, this past six to 12 months and then continuing on into this year is all about, okay, creating this internal sense of safety within myself, regardless of what external circumstance looks like. And that is a daily practice. I want to talk about a little bit today. I'm going to get into way more tomorrow. We're going to exercise this. We're going to move through some prompts. I'm going to guide you through actually teasing this apart for yourself. But I think that there's beauty in trusting where you're at right now, knowing that by trusting where you are, doesn't mean you stay where you are. And I think that's where I got lost a lot when I was playing with this pushing versus trusting and 
and moving towards something versus surrendering into the present moment, it felt like trusting and surrender meant staying where I was. And I was never okay with that. Mm. But maybe, maybe that's where we start. Maybe that's the first step. If you're not okay where you are right now, you're egoically living for something that's never going to be guaranteed anyways. So you're, you're teaching yourself and you're telling life that you need to be given more of what you currently have so that you can learn to be okay where you are with what you have, with who you are. And then you're able to evolve from that place, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's getting to this place of, of awareness around what that you're trying to use life to give you without recognizing that who you are, what you are, what you have, where you are is perfect. There may be pain in that. It may not look the way you want it to look yet, but can that be okay just for right now in this moment? Can we be okay with that? Can we sit with that? And I think that's the work, like Mm -hmm. taking that time to sit with where we are and recognizing the beauty in the pain and what that's really offering you, what that's trying to show you, what that's trying to communicate to you. And from that place, I think we have a different foundation laid to set goals from. Yeah. Right. I, I absolutely love how you went there with uh, how we trying how we're trying to escape the pain. Uh, we're trying to create our goals by in a, in this avoidance to the pain that we think is going to come if we don't achieve mm-hmm. what it is that we want to achieve. And when I immediately heard you say that immediately, my mind went to Yes. And to try to avoid the pain that we're presently in. I'm so glad you said that because that's exactly what just came up when I heard you reflect that back to me. So good. Okay. Yeah. But then you you made it full circle anyways, because now you're talking about like the disempowerment that comes from trying to get out of where you are and trying to use the motivation of getting out of where we are to get to something else. But that's it's never going to work. And my experiences, I'm curious if you've noticed this, anyone in the room, but you too, Laura, that that kind of used to work in the past. Like we could feel uncomfortable with where we were, like, for example, with me and like my old, on my own journey with like fitness in my body. Like I felt really insecure in my body. So I made things happen to get out of that and lost a bunch of weight and got really mm-hmm. lean and fit and all of that to try to escape the pain of where I was at. And then I started to bring that into also my business. Like I'm feeling really insecure that I'm not good enough or that I'm not confident or that I might never make this work. And so let me make it work and work really hard and, and achieve all of these things in avoidance to the discomfort that I'm in right now with all of this uncertainty certainty. And in my experience, it didn't work that well for me in business, but it's working less and less and less every single year. It's like the more that I'm trying to create something out of an avoidance of where I am, the less it works. Because just like you said, it's almost like the universe is like, I'm just going to make it more uncomfortable for you the more you try to get out of where you are so that you eventually have no choice, but to just become okay with where you are. Yes, I totally agree. I love that you said that. I I was struggling to put words to that because it's so true. I remember, you know, back early years when we first started the gym, we could work 15 hour days, seven days a week and just go and, and build something and get results. You know, we, we made, it was a half a million dollar business at the time. We didn't profit. <laughs> Our expenses were also that much. We weren't making money, 
but it was a successful business on paper. It was just a whole other conversation, but we hustled to make that happen. We worked hard to make that happen. We had outcome-based goals. How many clients a month were we going to get? And how are we going to get it? And what was our marketing plan? And how many hours a week were we going to work? And what was our team going to look like? And what classes were we like? It was all strategy. It was, it was heart-led because we loved the community, but beyond that, it was all strategy. And I think where I get caught sometimes in this conversation is looking around at everybody pushing boss, babe, culture, hustle, culture, right? Everyone's pushing and every and those people on paper are sometimes getting really good financial outcomes. But here's the lesson that I've been taught time and time again. When I get a glance, a glimpse, a sliver of a peek behind one of their curtains, there's chaos in the room as well. And I have yet to meet someone who is pushing hard every single day towards an outcome-based objective who is at peace in their mind and their body. I've never, ever met someone like that. That doesn't mean they're not out there. I have zero evidence of that being possible. That doesn't mean you can't become massively financially abundant and have peace in your mind and your body, but how you get there is everything. Because if the only way you get there is by pushing and gripping and, and planning and being meticulous inside of trying to control every element of every step of your journey you could build something successful on paper and be completely dying inside. Yeah. In fact, if you're in this room, you are deeply empathic. You are deeply soul-led. You're incredibly intuitive. You don't step into this room unless you identify with those things. It's just not possible. You'd get into this room and be like, who are these, who are these checks? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I'm right. Yeah. So Knowing that there's no possible way for you to create financial abundance by ignoring your intuition, ignoring your heart, ignoring your emotions and pushing egoically, it's not possible for you because Mm -hmm. even if you created it, life is going to take it away until you learn your true power. Yeah. You're going to lose it over and over again. That's what happened to me. Right. And that's a lesson that I feel so grateful to be learning right now. So early on, I think in my career and in my life that I almost get to, and all of us here from this point forward, right now, where you are in your business, get to start to create and build your business from this place with this awareness, because so many people, like even like the, the highest abundant, successful people that we can imagine either end up achieving so much success and never getting this awareness and just end up being completely miserable for the rest Mm -hmm. of their lives. And, um, or they end up getting massively successful, realize that's not the answer and then burn it all down and have a massive spiritual awakening and then maybe build themselves back up afterwards. Hi, (laughs) I'm Laura. That was me. I did it like six times. (laughs) Oh, okay. Burn it down again. Oh, okay. Burn it down again. Yeah. But you know what? The courage it takes to burn it down is so much tremendous. And and to not just give up, you know. So I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. And I think 
we really have to be clear, you guys, it's very easy to demonize success. That's not what I'm trying to, like, we, we don't want to have that conversation. Success is, I mean, it's so subjective first off, but financial freedom is so available for all of you. Freedom being the primary word there, not financial freedom, Mm -hmm. right? When we're looking for financial freedom, it's not just money that's giving us that. And when we, when we have financial freedom on our goals list, on our vision boards, I think that it, it egoically pushes us to do things that we otherwise wouldn't do because we're trying to create that freedom outside of ourselves first, hoping that by creating the financial freedom, the inner freedom will follow. You've heard us speak about this before. No, it doesn't work like that. (laughs) It, It never will. You know, I think creating financial freedom can give you permission to access feelings of inner freedom. Totally. Right. So maybe temporarily you'd be like, yeah, whatever, Laura, I just signed a 5k client and I felt really fucking free in that moment. So I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. In that moment, having that money gave you permission to access a feeling of freedom internally that you always have access to. But if you don't learn how to create a consistent source of that feeling of freedom internally, then you're never going to be satisfied externally. It doesn't matter how much money you get, Mm -hmm. never going to be enough. And that freedom that we get from something outside of us, it is in its own way, kind of a fake freedom because there's, whether you, you get it right away or it comes in very shortly after, there's always this sense of like, but what if this goes away or what if this doesn't happen again? You know, what if I don't sign another client or what if this client doesn't, you know, and then it's like our freedom was conditional inherently because it was something on the outside. And because of that, we start to worry about all of those things and we're not feeling free at all because we're afraid that it's going to go away. And so we're holding our freedom hostage yet again, because it's something that is inherently going to feel scarce and limited if it's outside of us. But when it's inside of us, we can actually feel the inherent abundance and unlimitedness of our freedom. Yeah. I think that's the trick of the mind. You know, I think that's why we get such a huge dopamine hit and I'm totally speculating. This is just dropped in. So I'm going to say it and this, I may be out to lunch on this, but I wonder if, you know, when we, when we achieve something externally and we get that huge dopamine hit, We get that huge feeling of like euphoria, like, oh my gosh, I've made it. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm doing it. Things are working. Right. And then it's, it fizzles out very shortly after. And then you're back in the grip. You're back pushing to the next thing. Like, I can't stop now. I don't want to lose this. I don't want to lose this momentum. I have to go to the next thing. Mm -hmm. We get those hits because it's our mind sort of going, see, I told you it was out there. Just keep pushing, keep working, keep going, keep gripping. You'll get it again. If you keep going in that way and then you get it again and you get that hit, it's like, see, I told you, keep just, going, keep going. Never it never ends. It, it never, never ends. ends. Even when you have a billion dollars in your bank account, look at the people that are billionaires. They're still chasing. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. And I think, I think that there's nothing wrong with doing things, <laughs> you know, like we have to do things to become things. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really the conversation I want to have with you, Cal, is doing versus being. I don't think it's a versus. I think it's how are you being while you're doing? Yes. That's it. 
because usually when we when we are so like kind of new to this idea of like not pushing and hustling and, and starting to be more present and, and look at our emotions and stuff. We look at doing as well, all of my past experiences of doing, I wasn't present. I was pushing, mm -hmm. I was in fear. I would, you know, and so we associate that with not being because we've just never learned how to do and be at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I know that you really liked this. Someone that I know, the mentor that I had in the past talked about, it's not do, 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 do. It's not be, 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 but it's do, we do, we do, we do, do. I love it. <laughs> it's very cute. And it's such a beautiful way to really share that like it is a dance that we get to learn. And something that I'm really starting to integrate more so in myself is rather than looking at doing as like this, bad like egoic like thing that is wrong that is like a part of the matrix that we're just like supposed to be and meditate and like be around energetics and manifestation I think I went really far in that direction for a bit and now I'm just learning that like it's a beautiful part of this human experience mm -hmm. to like have to kind of like do things and take action and look at our behaviors like there's there's something really beautiful about how we get to learn all of these things through taking action. Like action is what shows us, you know, our limitations and our limiting beliefs and our fears and taking action is going to help us overcome a lot of those things a lot of the time too. And so let's not make doing the bad guy, but let's also bring in mm -hmm. being at the same time. I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah, I think that I love what you said there around how action, taking action gives us opportunities to meet our fears and and discover where our edges are and push past those edges and and become something new. But that level of awareness is something we have to practice because I think I mean, even just a few years ago, I wouldn't even say that I had that level of awareness. I think I was either being or, or really. I was doing. And when I was being, really, I was doing. And I was, <laughs> I was doing being. <laughs> <laughs> I was checking the box. I meditated today, which is really not being, right? right. That's really doing. Yeah. So I think just over the last few years, this has become more clear for me in how this, this plays out in my own life because- I'm not perfect. No, you're never going to be perfect. I'm not perfect. Like I get caught thinking egoically a lot. Like, oh, if I did this, like strategically, maybe that would bring in more students or whatever. And anytime I am able to catch myself in that outcome-based objective, I like to hold that in my, in my heart, go sit with that and go, okay, where's this coming from? Is it coming from trying to create something outside of myself so that I can feel a certain way? Or is this coming from a place of safety in myself? And I'm a, am I detached from that outcome actually happening? Which is it, right? We can't be both at the same time. And I think that that gut check has really allowed me in recent months, especially to refocus where I'm taking action. I know I offered this to Jenna. Jenna, your question inspired this talk today. And I offered this really briefly to you in the comments around when we're looking at setting goals or taking action or deciding which direction to go, if we can first focus in on where am I moving from? What is the feeling 
that is already exists within me that I can access in this moment to inspire this action? And who am I becoming on the other side of taking this action? I wonder how your business would change if your only objective was to find the edge that's going to push you to evolve. Because if you're constantly finding those edges, that's going to push you to evolve in new ways. Don't you think you're going to be taking risk? Don't you think you're going to be seeking out opportunity to be heard and seen in bigger ways? Right? I think that when we have the intention of where's my next edge of evolution, where, where am I comfortable operating within? And where do I start to get a little shaky? Where am I a little uncertain? And does that feel like an intuitive direction? Does that feel exciting to my soul, even if it's scary to my mind, because that's going to require a part of me to die in order to discover this new layer? That's where you got to go. And that's going to require massive courage. And it's going to require you to prioritize certain activities in your day. You're going to have to do certain things, right? But what that doesn't require is the egoic checkbox list, right, Kelly? Like, so if you're seeking out an edge and you start to look at the actions that you've been taking, like recreating my website, creating a new funnel, redesigning my graphics, posting on Instagram stories every single day, like whatever, is that aligned with seeking out that edge? Or are those egoic checkboxes that you've been told you have to act on in order to get to an external destination, that's just really numbing the pain that you're trying to avoid. Mm -hmm. Right? I think that's a really easy way to simplify a lot of what we're focusing on and focus our energy on the really potent soul shifting things. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Laura, there's something that's integrating for me as you're speaking about this on understanding deeper, like the moving from thing that has been a theme across a lot of the talks that we and you have been doing in this community. And I think I've been understanding on a deeper level that at first when I was learning about like, you know, the detriment to acting out of fear and acting out of like an avoidance to a feeling or an avoidance to where I am. I kind of had to start by just rebelling against any action that I noticed was coming from that place immediately. And for a long time, that meant not doing a whole lot at all (laughs) because pretty much everything that I wanted to do or that I would, that I came up to do was because I felt like I needed to, or else I would be stuck where I am or something bad would happen, or I wouldn't get something good that I wanted to happen. And there was, there was a purpose to that, I think, for me and just allowing my nervous system to just adapt more to that. But now I'm starting to learn that like, just because there's fear that's a present and kind of motivating that action a little bit, doesn't mean I can't step in and co-create a different feeling to to do that same action from and so now it doesn't have to be like if there was any like oh I should do this that now I just shouldn't do it (laughs) you know what I mean I can still do it but it takes that intentional practice of slowing down and just like you were speaking into like how how do I what can I access that's already here inside of me that I want to move from while doing this and what's possible for me on the other side of this and who would I become if I did this and starting to 
intentionally create inside of myself a different orientation in which I'm moving forward on that exact same action item. I love that. I'm so glad you said that. That's perfect. What Gabby just asked us in the chat. She said, what if something is something we fear may help in our evolution, but at the same time, it feels like a checkbox. Like my soul doesn't align, but at the same time, I know it can help me grow. Yeah. So when you think about it feeling like a checkbox that goes into what Kelly was just talking about, if it's a checkbox item, it's because your mind is seeking out that dopamine hit from checking the box. Okay. That doesn't mean that that action that you fear that could actually evolve, you could really stretch you has to be a checkbox item. Can we sit with that and explore? Okay. There's a part of me that wants to do this to get to the other side of it so that I can feel X, Y, Z, or I can avoid feeling X, Y, Z. That's the checkbox. Let that be there. Just ask it to step aside for a second and look beneath that. If you were to move from a place of freedom or peace or ease or simplicity or abundance or whatever it is that you're desiring to create this year for yourself, if you were to move from that place and take that same action, what would change? What would change about the action that you take, the pace in which you take it, where you're focusing your energy, the outcomes you're now detaching from by taking that action, right? If there's an expected outcome attached to an action we're taking, it's an egoic action. If we're detached from the outcome when we're in the existence, the, the presence of being with that action, of doing that thing and accessing what it's really allowing you to experience in that moment for yourself, for your own growth and get curious about that. Maybe it is that dance of letting the, the outcome go, right? Maybe it's being with that initially. Now it becomes an edge. Now that action becomes something that can expand you. We're going to have to create space to, to play with that, to dance with that and recognize that the mind's going to want to pop up and go, okay, but if we do this, then we'll get this. See it, hold it, nudge it to the side so you can let the true you speak and come back to this place of, okay, I'm going to move into this direction from freedom. I am already free. I don't need the outcome of doing this to give me freedom. I am already free. Therefore, how do I want to proceed? What does this look like? Do I still feel aligned with taking this action? Does the action itself need to change a little bit in order to match that emotion internally? Does that make sense? Okay. Kelly, do you have anything to add on to that? Mm. Let me see. I think that it's, I think that it's just a continuous practice of creating space around the egoic fears that we're noticing that are kind of running it or when something doesn't feel in alignment. Like, I think we're so used to just like trying to figure it out and, and like, what's the right answer? Should I do it because it's soul or should I not do it because it's ego? And, <laughs> <laughs> right. And we're, we're coming. So like, we're, we're trying we're to draw almost, the line, right. We're trying to control it, but that's the ego that's right. trying to control it. It's like, I'm trying to do soul work through my ego, but that's impossible. Yeah. And so just, just allowing yourself space to recognize what's present for you. Like, what are all of the 
soulful reasons why I wouldn't do this action. Well, then maybe it's because I'm choosing to trust myself or to lean into more rest or to lean into um, that I don't need to rush into doing something right now. Okay, what is a ego-based reason why I wouldn't do it? And you could probably find those too, soul reasons and egoic reasons mm-hmm. or fearful reasons. Maybe the egoic or um, fearful reason for not doing it is that, well, if I if I do do it, then maybe I'm going to be showing the universe that I am not trusting of it. <laughs> this came right. out in doing the work session on Friday. And then what are soulful reasons why we would do it? And I think that's when we really start to nourish ourselves with that moving from like, mm-hmm. I could, I could really, this is pushing up against an edge for me. Mm-hmm. And soulfully, it would really connect me more with what it is that I want to create in my life and really challenge me to start to move from that feeling right now. And this is an opportunity for me to practice that right now because I'm, I'm bringing the awareness to the action. Mm-hmm. And then what would be an egoic reason for me doing it? And I think just starting to decipher those so that they're all kind of laid out in front of you. It's like, okay, I'm going to grab this and grab this. The rest can go in the back seat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I think too, by practicing that intentionally, especially in the beginning, taking that time to actually break it down like that, it gives voice to the different parts of you. Yes. It gives it, it allows for the softer pieces of you to communicate with you instead Mm -hmm. of just brushing over them because the mind is just so loud sometimes. Mm -hmm. Right. So I really like that practice for that reason. Specifically, it's, it's creating the space to really look at it and allowing yourself the time to be with it differently versus making a, an egoic choice just because that's what you see other people doing or it's the choice you've always made. It's what feels the most comfortable. Gabby, what is the thing you're talking about if you don't mind sharing? Oh, sure. Yeah, that's fine. I'm just curious. I want context. So um, training like live trainings with live training. It feels very yucky to me. And I don't know if it's just this time and place. Uh, actually, I've never actually enjoyed it, <laughs> but I've been okay. trying to push up against the edge of it and doing it. And mm-hmm. so I didn't know if it's coming from my own fear because that's something I struggle with, or if it's actually just not aligned. And this is the battle that I've been having mm-hmm. with myself. I think when we're looking at something like live trainings or posting content or creating a workshop or whatever, we're looking at the container and the context that we've operated inside of that container historically has felt yucky, but the container itself isn't necessarily what feels yucky, Mm -hmm. right? So if you think about live trainings you've done recently that didn't feel good, what was your content? What were you speaking into? I think that's the struggle is I'm having trouble finding something that feels really good speaking into. Okay. Right. So when we're thinking live trainings feel yucky, really what I'm hearing and Kelly, I'm curious on your perspective, I'm hearing it feels yucky to push towards live trainings because this is making me see that I actually don't know what my direction is. And I'm an avoidance of figuring that out by putting myself in the room where I have to speak and not know what I want to speak into. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, right? exactly. I love how you're calling this out because it's 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 never about the thing that's soulfully aligned or misaligned. It's it's always about how we're interpreting that thing and how we're being with that thing and the expectations that we're placing on it. And that is what makes it feel heavy. I think that there's so much more to it than just like my soul doesn't want me to do live trainings. That's making it feel heavy because I don't think your soul cares whether you do or not. (laughs) I think your soul just wants you to learn what's true and express in a way that feels true and to let go of what doesn't feel true. And what, what isn't true is going to feel heavy. It's going to feel misaligned, but then it's just the ego that goes, oh, it's the live trainings when really it's the expectations, the, what this is making me look at inside of myself. That's scary. The uncertainty that exists inside of this or the, the feeling like I have, I'm not doing a good job or I haven't figured it out yet. Or, you know, it's all of that. That's making it feel heavy, but that's good that that's coming up because whether it comes up while doing live trainings or doing something else, it's something that your soul is asking you to move through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. I couldn't have said it any better myself. <laughs> That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So Gabby, are you going to be at the workshop tomorrow? Okay, good. Okay. Bring this with you tomorrow. Okay. Maybe sit with it a bit today after what we offered you, but bring this with you tomorrow. We're going to work through it a little bit more. Jenna says, my husband and I were just evaluating moving to the beach and we were going back and forth for a few weeks. We finally made a decision to stay. And looking back now, I feel like it was made out of fear the most. Mm-hmm. You know, I resonate so deeply with this. My husband and I have moved a lot over the last few years. We just now finally have set roots down. But I think, are you going to be there with us? You said you were, Jenna. I saw your hand go up. So tomorrow we're going to work through this a little bit more. And, and really tease apart that fear side. But I think you could probably spend some time and sit with even what we had offered Gabby around this is, okay, let's say that staying does bring up a sense of security, a sense of safety, a sense of not needing to look at all of the other things that would bring up fear if we were to move, like what we would be losing, what, what could go wrong and just play with that a bit today right? Like what maybe was I avoiding doing the exercise that Kelly just walked us through? What does my soul want to move towards? And what does my soul want to move away from? And same with the ego. What is my ego? Why does my ego want to make this decision? Mm-hmm. And why would my ego not want to make this decision? Let's maybe get yeah. that on paper so we can create some clarity around where that decision is actually coming from. And then from that right. place decide. You right? totally I think- could have Sorry to interrupt, but okay, I was go gonna ahead. say I was gonna say um, you totally could have made the decision to move the, to the beach also from fear. Right. Like, well, if I don't, then I might never get to do what I want to do, and maybe if I don't, then I'm missing out on an opportunity to do something that I really wanted to do, and then I'll never get it, and then I'm missing out for the rest of my life. Like, we could have used ego and fear to do either decision, mm-hmm. and so it's not just because you made it from fear doesn't mean it was the wrong choice. There is really no wrong choice to your soul. But it's just, now you get to use this as an opportunity to look at, okay, what about this decision felt influenced by fear so that you start to learn what it feels like to make a decision from fear so that you can start to recognize that more in real time when it's happening. Because this is only something that you learned like the day after, which is pretty good. So now maybe next time you're going to learn 
maybe like 10 minutes after you made a decision, oh, that kind of was fearful. And then you're getting closer and closer to actually being able to utilize and integrate this in the moment when you're making decisions. So this is a really good thing that this happened. <laughs> I'm so glad. I love the way you say that. That's so great. I've, I've heard you say it that way a bunch of times lately. Like, this is a good thing. This is a good yeah. thing. It I'm is so happy thing. to hear that. <laughs> I'm so glad you went there too, Kel. That's exactly where I was going to go right before you jumped in. But it is, of course, naturally. (laughs) Um, You can never make a wrong decision, right? Like that's what Kelly just said, but making a decision and then from that place, witnessing yourself in that decision, I think is the work. You know, I think that's what tells you a lot not whether you made the right decision or not. It's let's make one and then let's pay attention. Let's listen. Let's spend some time listening in silence after making that decision. What's coming up in your body? What's swirling around in your mind? How is that really landing? Is that feeling like an opening or a closing? That's what teaches you about yourself. Not holding out on making a decision until you have all the the correct pieces in place. Right? I think when we make faster decisions and learn in the process of ourselves, that's when we meet edges faster. That's when we expand faster. That's when we evolve faster. We've been identifying what this decision brought up for us and things we were looking forward to and creating from here where we are now. Yeah. I love that, I love that too. That's perfect. That's hard work. Mm-hmm. It's very laborious, very emotionally laborious. Kelly and I were, have talked about this a lot, like being emotionally hungover from this work is a real yeah. thing, right? It's, it's something that I've been feeling really like quiet this month, very introspective. I've been cocooning a lot, not doing a whole lot of external action, but I've been doing a lot of internal introspection and, and I'm tired from it. And I think it's important to recognize how laborious this work can be. Like we think egoically, I'm just setting goals. This shouldn't be so hard. I shouldn't be tired from this. I still need to have energy after to move on my goals. Right. right? But setting goals this way isn't fast. Mm-hmm. Not meant to be. There's no emergency here. I think we want to just like sit down to a goal setting session and bang it out in an hour and have our plan and be able to take action on that plan and feel really good when we complete that plan. Who here has ever set like a quarterly goal plan and actually stuck to it and not changed their mind halfway through? Like, I don't know about you, but I'll like sit down and I'll have a whole day of goal planning. And then it seems like the next week I'm already shifting (laughs) in a new direction. So it's just, we're going to talk about that tomorrow too, but goal setting in a new way, but it's just so interesting to witness our minds and our bodies. Mm -hmm. It's funny that we make that wrong when really it's just yeah. silly for us to have the expectation that what it is that we want today is what we should want a week from now or a month from now or three months from now. Like, why can't we make it a good thing that what it is that we want to create and how we want to create it is going to evolve because we're evolving and let yeah. that be a direct reflection of our own inner evolution, which is better news than just like, I stuck to the thing that me three months ago said I should stick to like me Mm -hmm. three months ago 
is me three months ago. I, yeah. I want to be a different person than I was back then. <laughs> That's so true that it, I've never considered it that way, but yeah, let's say you stuck to your plan and you checked everything off and you're at, you're not, you haven't evolved your level of awareness at all. You haven't evolved your desires at all. You just achieved what it was. You said you wanted to achieve three months ago. You haven't changed at all because you lived entirely in your ego and you checked the boxes versus accessing freedom within safety within and allowing those pivots to happen naturally around you. That's what evolves you mm-hmm. and not getting so stuck to a previous version of yourself. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you said that. That's so true. That is so true. That's that so interesting big. to think about. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of this topic, does anyone have any journals planners they love? Um, I'll let you guys drop things in there. I don't use a planner in the traditional way. We'll do some planning tomorrow. And then you can decide if you want an actual planner or not. I like to just, I honestly like, give me a moleskin with no lines and no dots, just open blank paper. That's what I like the best because I can be creative and artistic and express with ultimate freedom. I don't like lines. They feel restrictive. Is that so funny? (laughs) (laughs) I don't like lines on my paper. I like just blank sheets of paper so I can be crazy. Um, also one goal I set last year was to make hundred K to be eligible for this mastermind. I wanted to be a part of, I couldn't be more far from it. Now that mastermind was just not meant for you. You know, isn't that so I've set so many goals like that too. And I actually, I had a download yesterday. I took a day off And I was just sitting in meditation quite a bit yesterday and I had a download for my book and I want to talk a lot about like boss babe culture and financial shaming and how there's so much in our, in the coaching community around, like, you have to be making this amount in order to be eligible for this type of guidance and how there's just so much shame wrapped up in that Mm -hmm. and how it's not actually conducive to creating in a really intimately soul aligned way. And I feel like we're all moving away from that, which is beautiful. We have a long way to go. And there's a lot of trauma inside of that, you know? So I'm so glad you said that because I've been there so many times too. It just doesn't feel very good. doesn't feel very good to be turned away because the account doesn't say what it has to say. I was also, I was looking at different certification programs yesterday just out of curiosity, just to see what's out there this year. And there was this like life coach certification for 10 K or something. I'm like, this is obscene. This is insanity that people are charging. Like that's fine. I get it. But I feel like that is purely egoic. And I feel like the path to abundance isn't charging that amount of money to certify someone to be able to live their life's purpose. I feel like there's a different way. And I think we're all moving away from that super high ticket, like 10K, 20K, 30K programs, 100K programs. That's beautiful that they value themselves at that. But I feel like there's a, there's a softening in the industry coming where we're being asked to lead from sacrifice in some way. Mm -hmm. and create a path forward for our people, not because we're charging the most and now our ego is happy, but because the actions we're taking are rooted in something so much bigger than money itself. You know, anyways, Mm -hmm. that's my little rant for the day. I just was blown. 
Yeah, I was gonna add it like the productivity planner. Okay, I've never heard of that one. You guys should check it out. Let me know what you think. Kelly, do you have anything to add on to that? I don't think so. I'm feeling very just like I'm swimming in everything that we said. Me too. I'm going to like, I haven't planned our workshop yet for tomorrow. I, uh, you know me, you guys know me, my best stuff comes last minute. Um, so I'm going to like take this and just go sink into my channel and get a few things on paper, but I'm glad we set the stage because this is a big topic and very layered and very complex and difficult to wade through. So I feel very swimming as well. Like my mind is going like this. That was perfect when you did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys feel like this too. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. I think to set the stage for tomorrow, if you're going to be there with me, I highly encourage you to maybe look at what are some goals that have kind of been popping up in your mind egoically. And what are some things that have been sort of tugging at your heartstrings that you've been wanting to move on, but you've been pushing them off to one day. Things that don't necessarily have an outcome attached to them, but would feel just really good to move on for one reason or another. Jenna, I relate to this too, Bree says, I also feel like the masculine business mentors I had previously convinced me it was a realistic goal for me to aim for 100K this year. Yeah. Yeah. Not saying it wasn't in an alternate reality, an alternate reality, but when <laughs> that right, obviously wasn't going to happen, it made me feel like I was doing things wrong. Exactly. When really not everyone is going to reach 100K quickly. Honestly, I don't think anyone reaches 100K quickly anymore mm -hmm. or 200K or 300K or 500K. Like you can, but you have to be okay sacrificing a certain part of yourself in order to do it. Mm. And I like that you pointed out a part of yourself, not just like, cause I think there's like the whole hustle culture mentality of like sacrifice your time and your energy. And like, you don't have to go on that date night. Well, you could be working late at night instead or out with the girls. No, you could be writing content. Like, and that it's like an egoic, like good thing. Right. But it's, it's not sacrificing like all of these egoic things that feel moral to us. It's like, no, you're sacrificing a part of you and your soul and what's at something that you literally would have to eventually burn the thing down to get again. Right. Right. Yeah. I completely agree. You know, like the people that that works for the masculine approach of push, 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 go, 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 do, do, do that works for some people. You guys, I'm not saying that doesn't work, mm -hmm. but if you are not composed of primarily masculine energy, Keep in mind, women can also be, ha have an, a balance of an offset balance of mostly masculine energy. Maybe they haven't tapped into their feminine. Maybe there's trauma there that's caused them to adapt in that way. Like, I don't know. There's many <laughs> reasons why that could be yeah. same for men, same for men. But if you have that and you can just go on these very masculine oriented tasks, you'll get there fast. And you may sustain that for a time. You may sustain that for your whole life. You know, just think about, I can't think, there's no names coming to mind, but I'm picturing like in the movies, the billionaire woman running this boss company who just is so detached emotionally. She doesn't have any really deep relationships, right? She's very much in her masculine. She's very power hungry. 
like Devil Wears Prada comes to mind. Okay. So it's <laughs> going, but that exists in the real world. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Like that person can sustain that, but that's not you. And that's okay. It's just the current coaching community likes to make you think that you're wrong because you're not that mm-hmm. because the people who are making you feel wrong are that, and they don't know how to access a different part of themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's easier for them to make you wrong to make them to make themselves wrong. Totally. Yeah. And they're just operating from this place of like, you know, when it is that I'm hoping to get internally that sense of peace, I'll get it once I reach this outer thing. Like once I've reached this much money, but then they reach that much money. Oh, I'm not feeling that way. I guess I'll just keep pushing. And it just, <laughs> it's like a never ending thing. Whereas you are all learning to cultivate that first and, and, create a business from that place mm-hmm. and just like we mentioned earlier I really believe that it's true that if you're living your your uh, creating your business from a place of getting something internally by achieving something externally you're you're going to have to burn down all of the external in order to build it up internally you can't mm-hmm. just get there externally and then bring yourself back up right I don't think right. that's possible personally maybe. No. But in a lot of cases, you're going to have to learn and bring it back up. And I think you that know, that's what life is teaching us right now. Totally. I completely agree. The visual that just came to mind is, you know, have you guys ever been, I'm some, sure some of you have, in a forest with really, really giant trees? You know how really big trees, when they get old, they kind of rot from the inside out? That's what kind of came to mind, right? right. Like those giant trees they're rotting from the inside out. And eventually they're going to like, they may grow really big, but eventually they're going to fall over because they're rotten inside. I love that. (laughs) It's very fitting for the bloom room. (laughs) (laughs) Always nature analogies. (laughs) The last thing I want to say on this, just to leave you with this as a piece to ponder before tomorrow. I love big giant trees. Me too, Junie. Oh, wow. I live close to Sequoia and now I'll never look at big trees the same. I know, Brie, they're just so magical. I love them. Um, I just want to bring this into the conversation, not to elaborate on it too much, but to just kind of drop it into your realm of consciousness so that we can expand on it tomorrow. But when you think about the business you're building from the energy that you're existing in, if we build a business from that really masculine pushing kind of energy, the clients you attract are also of that energy, Mm. right? So it's so interesting when you step into this space and it's like, I can't get my clients to do the things. I just want them to be able to slow down. I want to have these deeper conversations with them, but you attracted them from this masculine, pushing, rushing, grippy place. It makes sense, right? It's not a coincidence why all of you are super aligned with me and my values. Why we connect so intimately, so immediately. Why vulnerability is instantly in the room between us. Why we can sink into these conversations without any prep work at all. Because you came into my space from that energy. And you Mm -hmm. were attracted to me because of my energy, right? There was nothing grippy or transactional about that exchange. That's why these rooms are just so like gooey all of the time because we're all in that energy. Mm -hmm. So if you crave creating something like that, 
it starts with you. Hi again. Before you go, I wanted to make sure you knew about The Secret Garden. This is my private membership where I give you unlimited access to all my best stuff, like my entire trigger mapping curriculum, all my workshops, monthly immersive live events, weekly live calls, and different layers of support, each designed for you to access at the depth that you desire. I designed it to stretch you to new edges as a coach and a leader, to unravel your conditioning and wake you up to your truth so you can stand in your gift and lead your people from that place. I've linked it up in the show notes for you to explore more when it feels good for you. Okay, I'll see you back here soon. Love ya.